Good morning, everyone. Our um, Bible reading this morning comes from John chapter 11, verses 55 through to 12, verses 19. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went over from the country to Jerusalem for the ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They, they kept looking for Jesus. As they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Is he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was, they should report it that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lives, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served them while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the perfume fragrance. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's a year's wages. But he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As he kept the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus answered. It was needed that it was intended that it should be saved the perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but because to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and to believe in him. The next day, a great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now that a crowd that was with him when he had called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word, many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look for now how the whole world has gone after him. Um, friends, let's uh, bow in prayer, shall we, as we come to think about God's word. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that it is uh, light to our lives. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and that he uh, helps us to understand uh, your will and to put it into practice. So, Father, we pray now that we would be freed from other things which would distract us, that we would focus on you, 
and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2015, the Deputy Mayor of Auburn Council got married and he really splashed out on his wedding uh, with four helicopters, a flyover of fighter jets, a fleet of luxury cars worth $50 million and, get this, 800,000 flowers and the shutting down of an entire street on the pretense uh, that a movie was being made. Well, if attention was something he was after, he sure got it, didn't he? Because uh, it wasn't just because residents uh, didn't like having their road closed off or that people don't always like politicians, but because Australians don't like wasteful extravagance. We're far more impressed, aren't we, by those who use their wealth in order to help others, like improving health systems and educational systems in developing countries. But a flyover of fighter jets? And yet, there are times when it is appropriate to spare no expense in a celebration or in honouring a person. I remember being at a social function um, some time ago, which was in honour of a person, when someone out of love uh, remarked that maybe another person was spending too much money on it. And to which I thought, no, there is a time, there is a place, and it is right at this time to spend the money. Now, that was certainly the case at a dinner which was held in honour of Jesus. When a lady poured out onto Jesus an entire um, jar of of perfume, a a jar of perfume which was valued at uh, an entire year's wages for a labourer. Now, why would she do that? And why would... Jesus allow such extravagance to be poured out on himself? And what's it got to do with you and me? Well, some background might help because last week in John chapter 11, Jesus had performed the most astonishing of miracles. Uh, His dear friend Lazarus had died, been dead for a few days, was buried. And what did Jesus do? He raised him from the dead. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? It happened uh, just outside a town uh, called Bethany, which is near to Jerusalem. And it didn't just raise Lazarus, because it also raised the ire of the religious establishment for whom Jesus was a threat. And so they plotted to kill him. But it wasn't God's time for Jesus to die and so he left that region and uh, went elsewhere for a while. Now, Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And we can scarcely imagine the the personal effect, the impact, the emotional uh, effect which the resurrection of their brother would have had upon them. But we do know Uh, that it was their desire now to honour Jesus. 
for which an opportunity has now come. If you uh, have a Bible with you and if you'd like to open it to uh, John chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 55, uh, we learn that it is now the time of the Passover feast. That's the time of the year when uh, God's people, the Jews, would uh, especially remember that God once saved them out of their slavery in Egypt. And it was peak season in Jerusalem as pilgrims would pour into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Uh, In fact, the Jewish historian Josephus recorded that on one particular Passover, uh, a little bit later than the time of Jesus, that there was an estimated 2.7 million people who participated. Now, those figures might might have been inflated, but you get the idea. There's a lot of people uh, that are in Jerusalem during the time of the Passover. Uh, This was the third and the final Passover for Jesus in his public ministry. Final, because in chapter 11, verse 57, the religious leaders had now issued an order that if anyone, if anyone knew the whereabouts of Jesus that they should report that so that he could be arrested. Tension is now high in Jerusalem and on everyone's lips was whether or not Jesus would turn up for the Passover for he was now officially a wanted man. But Jesus was not in Jerusalem. You see, in the week before the Passover... People who were ceremonially unclean uh, had to be purified uh, in accordance with the law of Moses. Did Jesus need to be purified? No, of course not. He was perfect. And so in chapter 12, verse 1, whilst others are flooding into Jerusalem to be purified before the Passover, uh, Jesus stayed outside of Jerusalem in Bethany, where Lazarus, Mary and Martha lived. Let's pick it up at um, chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read that for you, uh, where it says that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, we might, uh, on first reading, assume that this uh, dinner took place in the home of uh, Lazarus, Martha and Mary, but... From the accounts in Matthew's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel, it's clear that it was in another house. It was hosted by a man by the name of Simon. He's actually called Simon the leper. It seems that this is, this is a village dinner that was going on with, a, with numerous households of people involved. And so what about Mary's gift? A pint of pure nard. I'm not particularly into perfumes myself and um, 
don't really, didn't really know very much about what nard is, but apparently nard is, a, is an oil that is a fragrant oil that is extracted from the root of the nard plant, uh, which is grown in India. And so when you think about it, uh, when you think about the quantity, uh, when you think about the, the purity, when you think about the fact that this had to be imported from India, and we're talking in the first century, well, we start to see why this gift is so valuable, so precious. How did Mary come to own it? Well, we don't know. Perhaps she had inherited it. Maybe uh, she was a person who was financially blessed. What we do know is that she was profoundly thankful and humble. The Gospel of Matthew and Mark note that Mary poured the perfume on Jesus' head, uh, perhaps to, um, as a hint of his anointing as the king. But which part of Jesus' body does John mention? In verse 3, it's his feet. Uh, to wash someone's feet uh, in those days was a very lowly job. And it required a degree of humility for Mary to wash Jesus' feet and then wipe his feet with her hair. It's an expression of profound gratitude, isn't it? And it's that humility which Jesus' disciples still had to learn about. In fact, in the next chapter, Jesus had to teach them a lesson in washing people's feet as he washed their feet for them. It's hard for us to imagine Mary's uh, feelings towards Jesus. I mean, you and I, uh, we can imagine what we would give to someone if they were to, if it was to involve saving the life of our brother or our sister. What would we give for that? All our savings, perhaps? I remember many years ago a congregation member here uh, giving his kidney. Uh, in order to save his brother's life. But what would we give to someone who had reversed their death? Someone who had raised our loved one from the grave? I mean, that's hard to put a price on, isn't it? For the gift of life is every reason for an extravagant response. And yet Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, didn't quite see it that way. Take a look at verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. For Judas, this was just money being poured down the drain. Not because he gave a fig for the poor, but because he had his hand in the till. He was the keeper of the money bag, and if this perfume had been converted to cash, he could have lined his own pockets. For unlike the good shepherd in John chapter 10, 
Uh, he is the one, he is the intruder who fleeces the flock. And yet, there still remained an opportunity for Judas to cash in. The chief priests and the Pharisees, they wanted to know the whereabouts of Jesus and it turns out that there's money in it. 30 pieces of silver. For Mary, the extravagant gift expressed her heart for Jesus. For Judas, it exposed his heart for this world and gave Jesus now reason to point once again to his own death. For what does Jesus think of what Mary has just done? Well, let's read it, shall we? Um, Verse 7. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I wonder if you've ever been at a funeral and you've been listening to the eulogies where people speak about their memories and their appreciation of the person who's just died, and you've been sitting there listening to this and you've thought to yourself, you know what, wouldn't it have been great if we had honoured this person this way whilst they were still alive, whilst they could hear, whilst they could understand and know how much we loved them and appreciated them? I know I felt like that at times. And for Jesus, that's what Mary has just done. Now, Jews wouldn't think twice about spending a a massive fortune, a great sum of money on uh, someone's uh, burial in order to honour them, including the money that would be spent on the perfumes, which were used used on the body to neutralise the aroma that uh, comes from a deteriorating body. Well, Mary was just doing that for Jesus whilst he was alive showing her love for him. And why wouldn't she? He raised her brother from the dead. And in verse 8, the opportunity for honouring Jesus in this way is now becoming limited as events are moving swiftly towards the cross. And we see that unfolding in verses 9 through to 11. You see, Jesus was not a fugitive who was trying to hide from the authorities. No, he was at a village dinner in Bethany and word got around and Lazarus was there as well, reclining with Jesus. I mean, what a draw card. A man has been raised from the dead. And I don't know about you, but if I was there, I'd want to go and check that out myself. I'd want to see Lazarus. And a big crowd did. And so now the chief priests, they're in a bind. They want to arrest Jesus, but now there are many people who are actually believing in Jesus because Lazarus is a walking, talking, breathing, living proof that Jesus is the Messiah. And so in verse 10, they decide to kill Lazarus as well. Although I suspect that by this stage, Lazarus really didn't have much fear of death because he knew the one 
who can raise him back to life. And yet things are about to get much worse for the religious leaders. Take a look at verse 12. The next day, the great crowd who had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Now, for the chief priests and the Pharisees, this is the stuff of nightmares because the last thing that they wanted was an uprising against the Roman occupiers. They didn't want that. But this is now what this is starting to look like an uprising. Because palm branches had become a symbol of national of national pride of nationalism of jewish nationalism picking up the palm branches that's like flying the flag as if jesus is the messianic liberator come to lead an insurrection a rebellion But as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, what sort of animal does he ride? He's not on a war horse, is he? No. In verse 14, he's riding on the back of a donkey. And that's quite intentional. For that is the Old Testament picture of Israel's Messiah. Do you see the quotation in verse 15? Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion, which is code for the people of Jerusalem, particularly when they're oppressed. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. It's a quote from the prophet Zechariah, from Zechariah chapter 9, which tells of the coming of Israel's king. It tells of the coming of a of a gentle king, a king who brings true and lasting peace, a kingdom, a, a king who would rule over a kingdom which would extend to the peoples of all nations around the globe, a king who, because of the blood of the covenant, would bring freedom. That's Zechariah nine. That's the picture here. You know, in a few days, uh, Jesus would be sharing the Passover meal with his disciples. And when he took the cup in Matthew 26, he would say, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to Sunday school up until the age of about six or something like that. I wasn't a Christian, but um, went to Sunday school. And uh, each year we used to have a thing called Palm Sunday. You remember that? Where all the kids in the Sunday school, we'd kind of dress up in, you know, white robes and things like that. And we'd, we'd carry palm branches into the church building. It was all very fun and a wonderful activity and so on. But I really think that this is, that's not what this is about. It's the equivalent of the Sunday school kids being in rebellion against the church authorities. And in verse 16, 
the disciples didn't understand what was going on either. It was only after Jesus was glorified that they understood. Friends, we, you and I, we live this side of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So we can now understand. And just as Lazarus was raised from the dead, if we have trusted in Christ, in the blood which he shed, in the new covenant, then we too have been raised. No longer under judgment, but forgiven. And as Zechariah 9 says, set free. Set free for eternal life. So how might we honour Jesus for all that he has done for us? We may not be in possession of an alabaster jar of treasured perfume which we could pour out, but we do have our lives. Lives which we should freely pour out. Uh, goals and, and opportunities which we might abandon. Time and energy which we might give to gospel ministry to honour Jesus for what he has done. Even letting go of businesses and letting go of careers that we've worked very hard for so that we can spend more time telling people about Jesus. Extravagant waste, uh, foolishness, stupidity. Better to spend our lives doing something more constructive? Well, some would say so. Many would think so because they do not understand the extravagant love of Jesus. Do you know in 2017, the uh, former Deputy Mayor of Auburn Council started a new business. Uh, can you imagine what it was? He started a business as a wedding planner. How about that, hey? But uh, on the website, he guarantees to his clients that uh, he will constrain himself and he will limit his plans to their budget. Friends, when it comes to serving Jesus, there is no limit. Not even life itself. For he poured out his life for us, for you and for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that through his abandonment of his own life, that we can now enjoy life with you forever. Father, we thank you for the example of Mary expressing her love with uh, such uh, free extravagance. And we pray that we would do so with our own lives, pouring out our lives in the service of you because of Jesus. Amen.